All right. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Well, it's good to see you. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and I missed you last week. I re- One person missed me. Well, I missed you. I love you all. Um, we were on vacation last week. Sawyer and Sarah did an awesome job teaching last week on marriage, but we miss you. In fact, I want to give everybody here a hug, um, and I know it's going to be hard, so just imagine me hugging you right now, okay? And if you're online, I'm giving you a hug through that screen, okay? I want you to feel that. Digitally, um, well, yeah, it, today is great. We're doing a whole series um, on, on more than a feeling, on relationships and on parenting today, and I think that's great with the child dedication. I, I just remembered back to our child dedication with the twins, you might not remember. Um, it was kind of during the p- pandemic time, and man, those kids are just wild up there. They are like, oh, do we have, and I remember like, I had one of my kids, and definitely she hit her head on the ground while I was holding her, so it was definitely my fault. So I'm saying that because I have a lot to learn in parenting, okay? You might remember that super awkward moment. People are like, <gasps> you know, that's what you don't want to hear. That's not the response you want in a child dedication. Um, yeah, I have been a, a dad now for coming up on seven years, meaning I have no clue what I'm doing. In fact, I, I remember the first time I preached on, on parenting was like five years before I even had the first kid. And I was like, man, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I feel like I lo- know less now. Um, you know what I'm talking about? To steal a line um, from Jim Gaffigan when you have multiple children, um, it's like, what is it like to have multiple kids? It's like you're drowning and then someone throws you another kid. Okay, (laughs) that's what it's like. Okay, so I am not going to teach you today as if I am the parenting expert. I am far, far from it. I make mistakes every day when it comes to parenting and yet God's word has a lot to say for us. And what we're gonna learn today is how to parent on the path to success. Doesn't that sound good? The path to success. Who wants successful kids in here? If you're a parent who wants successful kids, okay, who's a parent and doesn't want successful kids? Maybe don't raise your hand. Or maybe you do and we'll talk to you afterwards. Okay, we all want successful kids. I know that. We want our kids to succeed. Now, now the next question is, well, what is success? And I think we all define that success a little differently. From conversations with some of you and other people out there, a lot of people are like, well, I, you know, want to make sure They don't ruin their lives when they're a teenager. Okay, that's a success sometimes. Uh, I wanna make sure that they get their degree, whatever it is. For some people, it's just like, as long as they get their GED, man, that's a success. Others, like, if they don't get their doctorate, I'm gonna be disappointed, right? We all have different levels of success that we want with our kids and different things that we want for them. Uh, I was reflecting in preparation for this message, and I was like, well, what's success for me? And I was like, if my parents, or as a parent, if my kids... Uh, can graduate, get a job, hold a job, so they're not financially dependent on, especially me, but not the government, like, and they can be generous. Like, I don't want them to just have a job that they can live and make ends mean. I want them to be able to be generous. Uh, I was thinking, like, I definitely want them to be wise. I don't want them to just know a bunch of stuff that they learned from school. I want them to know how to apply it to their lives and make wise decisions. I want them to be people of character, Like, I I think that's more important than whether they're athletic or successful in the eyes of the world. And I definitely want my kids to follow Jesus, not just make a decision when they were at camp when they were a kid. I want them to be following Jesus actively into their adulthood and helping others follow Jesus. That's our mission, and it's definitely my personal mission. It's not just our church. It's my personal mission. Now, I could probably list a whole bunch of other smaller things on that. And you might have different things that you'd put on your board. And I think that'd be a helpful thing. Maybe today afterwards, you can talk with your spouse about this. You can talk with your community group. Even if you're a single person here and you're like, I might not ever have kids. Okay, you can still talk about it. How can I help them? 
And that's why this message I think is for everybody. Even if you're watching online and you're like, I never plan to have kids. We're all part of this. We shared that. If you are a part of the church, you're a part of raising these kids to know Jesus. It takes a church to raise a Christian. So we're all in this together. So we're all gonna have something to learn from this message about what that success is. So think about what you define as success because you need to begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. If you want them when they're 18 or 25, man, that, the goalposts just keep getting farther back, right? But wherever that, that finish line is, like what is success at that point? If you wanna get there, you have to start at the beginning, at the beginning. So that's what we're gonna learn today and we're gonna learn one important principle and our big idea today, if you're taking notes, and you can do it on, on your phone, if you have a smart, smartphone and you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can just save your notes right there in the app, search for our Rice Church Denver event. But our big idea today is start your kids on the path to success. Okay, the beginning really matters. And by beginning, I'm talking about those first 18, 25, whatever years, right? Start your kids on the path to success. And the word path, you may notice, is it gonna be our acrostic today? Hey, you guys love it when I do this, right? I got four points for you, P-A-T-H. You can remember that. You can take some notes. The four points we're gonna learn from God's word, but it's really centered on one verse today. So I wanna start there in Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. This is gonna be our main scripture for today. Proverbs 22, six says, start, in case you're wondering where I get that word in my big idea, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So what do we need to do? What's the first word? Start. This is really important, the beginning. You know, some other translations have train up a child in the way they should go or something along those lines. The word start here could be translated as train, but it's also the word that is used when um, God's people were dedicating a building, a temple, a wall to God. They're like, we're gonna start, and from the very beginning, we're gonna say, this is so important, we're gonna dedicate it. So in a sense, it's that beginning moment, and that's why even today we did a child dedication. This moment is a pivotal moment that parents can look back on. Your kids won't remember it, but the parents can because they're saying, I will dedicate my kids. I will dedicate my family to the Lord. And that start is so important. If you wanna get the ball rolling, if you wanna go in the right direction, and, and if you want to go like we did this last week, west into the mountains, we, we spent a couple days in Breckenridge, don't go east, okay? I-70 is I-70, right? No, don't go east, go west. If you wanna get to Breckenridge or else it's gonna take a very long time. Your start matters. Those first moments matter. I talked with one couple who's like 39 weeks pregnant and they're here today. I love it, okay? It's like, they're even thinking about right now, this is the start, right? This is the beginning. This start matters, so we need to be careful how we do that. So if we're going to start correctly, send our kids in the right directions, we need to learn these four biblical principles to how to do it. And I think this applies to anybody. You're here and you're not a Christian. You got dragged here. Somebody sent this to you online. You're an atheist. You can apply these. Like all four of these are actually gonna be really good even for the atheists. Isn't that cool? Some weeks I'm like, ah, you can sit back and relax. This ain't for you, but it is for everyone. If you are a parent, if you're thinking about being a parent, if you wanna help another person who is a parent, this message is for you. And our P, you ready for this? Lean in. Our P is point the direction with your life. Point the direction with your life. Your life is the magnetic north for your child. 
good or bad. It's your life that sets the tone, not what you say, but how you live, what you do, your behavior, your character, the way you walk is gonna be the true north. It's amazing. I do like couples counseling, uh, sometimes premarital counseling, and, and even parenting counseling every once in a while as a pastor. Like uh, I run the whole gamut. And, and it's amazing how many times people who, who hated their parents, who are like, oh, my parents did it so bad, I don't wanna do anything like them. We default, even as adults, to doing it the way we were raised. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're gonna have fights in your marriage like your parents did. You're gonna raise your kids like you did. You're gonna do holidays like you did. You're gonna relate to your in-laws like your parents did. We just naturally pick up so much more than even what they teach us. You just naturally default. It's like, it's the true north, right? No matter what you do, it's like you keep going that way. So your life matters. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse seven, it says this. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. If you want the blessing on your kids, if you want them to be successful, you need to walk with integrity. And that word blessing, we've learned over and over again here. Do you know what it means? The word blessed, anybody know what it means? It means happy. Did you guys know that? It's a happiness that comes from God. If you want your kids to be happy, how you walk, how you live, the integrity you live your life will lead to that happiness and success for your kids. In this series, we're talking more than a feeling, but we're saying, hey, feelings do matter. And if you care about your kid's happiness, because I think most people do, then it matters how you walk in your life, how you point the direction. Do you walk with integrity? Because our kids imitate what we're doing. There's some researchers out of the University of Washington, and they took babies. And babies, get this, as young as 42 minutes old, imitate their parents. They stick out their tongue. Okay, that's, that was the research. 42 minutes in, if the parent sticks out the tongue, the baby will try to do the same thing. 42 minutes. Talk about the beginning, okay? It's when you're like recovering and you're crazy. And you're like, what's going on? Your mind is blown in that time. It's already starting. That's why the beginning matters. But it goes all the way through your life and your kids' lives. So are you walking with integrity? Are you walking the way you should? This is really important because a lot of us teach what's right. We say to do certain things, but if we don't do it, it doesn't make the same impact. In fact, it can go against it. I remember meeting this man. I was a pastor in Nebraska before coming here. Um, I've been a pastor 12 years, six years here, about six years in Nebraska. And when I was there, we celebrated our church's 125th anniversary, meaning this is an old church, right? You guys get that? 125 years. So people were coming out of the woodworks to come and come to this church. And there was this one older gentleman that I met and I started talking with him. I'm like, oh, what's your relation to the church? He's like, well, my grandpa built this church. And he wasn't joking, okay? It wasn't even our current church building. It was the old church building that had been built in like the early 1900s or something like that. He's like, my grandpa used to live north of Wood River. I'm not making this up, okay? This is... And he would go down to the river and he'd get out sand and he would make his own bricks with his hands. He'd put it in a wooden cart and he would push it over the wood river and bring it down here into town and he would set those bricks. We built the church. I was like, that's amazing. But I've never met you before or your kids or your grandkids or, or I think this man had great grandkids. Like, where are they? Why aren't they a part of the church? If your grandpa built this church and you still live in the area, like what's going on? 
He's like, well, my grandpa, everybody loved him in the church. He was a deacon, respected, but he'd go home and abuse his wife and kids. He said, so I decided I would never go to church again. Didn't matter what he said, but because at home he was abusive, his life told a different story. It set up a pattern for the kids and they're like, I want nothing to do with that because he did not have integrity. It matters how we live our lives. This is important. So if you have kids, they're watching your every move. Are you speaking truthfully to them? It's funny nowadays because of like Instagram and TikTok, like to lie to your kids. Oh, when I just don't want them to eat my food, I tell them it's spicy. Like with these little lies, right? That are funny. Like that's funny. But we're teaching them to lie. That the way we live now, they see it. So if you want your kids to be successful later on and, and manage their money well, you better manage your money well now. If you don't want them to get in crippling debt that will ruin them, don't have debt now. If you want them to be generous, you better be generous. If you want them to be kind and loving, are you kind and loving, especially to them? I don't care how kind and loving you are in church, if at home you're abusive. Are you speaking with kindness to them? Like it's amazing how many people are like disrespectful to their own kids and they expect them to be respectful. Like what, what's going on? Like how we treat our children matters so, so much. Um, and some of you are feeling convicted, right? Me too. I am because I know they see some things that they shouldn't have seen. They, they hear me say things or with a tone that I should not have said, right? This is what I would say to you. Do you know what's even, maybe not better, but do you know what's just as good as modeling right behavior? Apologizing and repenting when you fail because you will mess up. You will sin, you will say the wrong thing or you'll say the right thing in the wrong tone. And if you go to your kids and apologize to them, it will make a world of difference. They will remember that even more than when you did the right thing because you're modeling humility and repentance. And don't we all need that? So I wanna challenge you, point the direction with your own life. Point the direction with your own life. That's the P. Then the next point, so, so if it's your life, well, there are things that we do need to say. It's not just what you act out in your life, but what we say matters. So we're gonna learn our A, address what's out of bounds. So point the direction with your life and address what's out of bounds. In Proverbs um, chapter 13, verse 24, we read this. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. This is a fascinating verse. Okay, some of you are like, <gasps> rod. That does sound pretty intense, right? Rod of discipline was, was actually like a figurative language. It's actually used figuratively throughout the Bible, including in like the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. It talks about God's rod of discipline. Well, God doesn't actually have a rod to beat you with, okay? If, if you know, you've felt it sometimes, but you know, it's, it's figurative, right? The point is, do you discipline your kids? I, I find people today, even like they're staunch Christians who are like, see, it says you got to beat your kids. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Do you use a rod? Well, no. Well, then you're not doing it biblically, right? Okay, let's move beyond the literal meaning to what it actually means. And what does it mean? You need to set boundaries for your children and provide some discipline when they go out of bounds. So 
Some of you spank in here. Some of you think spanking is the worst thing in the world. Okay, I don't care what discipline you use, but use discipline. The scripture says, if you don't discipline your kids and show them what's out of bounds, you hate them. If you love your kids, it says, you need to discipline them. Address what is out of bounds. There's a big movement nowadays, maybe you've seen this, called gentle parenting. You guys heard of this? Run from it. Okay, I can't go into all the details of it. It's big, it's popular. But one of the tenets of it is never say anything negative to your children. So you can't say, don't touch that, it'll burn you. Seriously, you're not supposed to say things in the negative. Don't do that. Don't ever say that, right? And then they say it in the negative, right? But um, besides that, what you're supposed to say is, like, if you touch that, your hand could burn. It's like, it, don't break that. It's supposed to be, just be gentle with your hands. Okay, everything's supposed to be in the positive, right? But here's the reality of the world we live in. There are negative consequences to things we do. If you're rough with glass, it will break and you might hurt your hand. If you hit somebody else, it will hurt them and they might hit you back or you might go to prison someday. There's negative consequences, right? If you don't do your schoolwork, you might not pass. And if you can't just be like, well, be a good kid. Like, no, you can't just say the positive. You have to define what out of bounds are. And that's what the scripture is telling us. Like, we have to be clear what is wrong so we can point to what is right. It's both. We're, we're going to, point three is going to be point to what's right, okay? In case you're wondering, okay? But we need to clearly define what is out of bounds. So if there's a path, if there's a road, if there's a way that we're supposed to go on, there are ditches on either side of the road. And if you go into the ditch, it will lead you into a car accident. I know because I've had one of those. Okay? You don't go off the road. So you need to be clear where those ditches are. And you need to explain them, teach them, and tell your kids. And part of that is the discipline aspect. In Proverbs 19, 18, it says, Discipline your children while you still have the chance. Indulging them destroys them. This is the message. It's really a paraphrase, but I actually think it gets the Hebrew more correct than a lot of translations. That's what it means. Like, you have a chance as a parent now, while your kids are in your house, to set the boundaries of what's right and what's wrong. And if you don't do it, it will corrupt your children. It will destroy them. Do you love your kids? Set some boundaries. And even start when they're young. It's amazing, like they've done studies on this too, that six-month-old children will start to be disobedient. Did you know six months old? And it's interesting, some of you are like, are you saying, Matt, that my, my child is just this rebellious, evil child? Well, maybe, okay? But I don't know your kid personally. I can only speak in generalities. But what I can tell you is that kids actually want to know the boundaries. They test them. I know this because we have twins. Okay, we have twins. And when one of them does something wrong, we've told them, hey, don't do that. And then they do it. We give them a consequence. Now, it's just, for us, it's a simple timeout, especially when the, kid, the twins were like two. It's like a simple timeout. Well, it's a big discipline for those kids, right? That's huge. Two minutes. But then the other twin were like, do I get the same discipline? Like, they're just trying to learn. And they will do the same behavior, not to be rebellious, but they're literally just trying to find out where are the boundaries so I got to discipline the second kid, okay? <laughs> we call it the twin tax, okay? You do for one, you got to do for the both, for good or for bad, okay? 
It's how it works. Because kids like need to know what the boundaries are. They actually feel safer when they know what's out of bounds. So you've got to be clear with your kids what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And I think this especially applies to little kids. Uh, my wife calls this the little dog syndrome with little kids. Because people love their little kids. Oh, they're so cute. They're just my world. Oh my gosh. Oh, what everything they do is so amazing. And then they're hitting other kids, biting people. Oh, they're just cute. They're a little, but they're a little dog. Nobody trains the little dogs. Have you noticed this? Little dogs just yap all over the place, bite people. The big dogs, you know you gotta train them or else they'll kill you, right? Literally. But people don't realize your little kids will grow up to be huge adults and they can have enormous impacts on other people. You gotta train them when they're young to not bite people so they don't bite people and go to prison like Mike Tyson, okay? (laughs) We don't want the little dog syndrome. So don't just be like, oh, they're so cute. Okay, start young. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be harsh, but you do need to be firm. These are the boundaries. Stay with them. This is what it means to discipline your kids. And, And think of the disciplines when they get older, and this is the phase where I'm learning from other people. I'm not speaking from personal experience. As they get older, because a lot of the bad things we do don't just like hurt something theoretically, they hurt other people. If, if your kid is disobedient to their babysitter, it doesn't just like, oh, let's put, you're, you're gonna be grounded for three months for that, right? Well, what does that do? It teaches them that they have now, uh, they hate you, okay? <laughs> but what really happened is they hurt a human being, didn't they? And if you're like, okay, your consequence for this is you're gonna have to use the money that you've earned and saved up from your allowance, and you're gonna have to go out, buy flowers and go in person to your babysitter, hand them to her and look her in the eye and apologize for what you did. Ooh, that's a consequence. And it's teaching them that they need to repair the relationship that is broken. Because that's out of bounds to treat someone like that. And being grounded, they just think for three months how much they don't like you. So think about the consequences that way. What is out of bounds? You need to address it and address it clearly. Two weeks ago when we taught uh, on, on dating and we talked about sex, Melissa was like clear, like you gotta talk to your kids about sex and what the Bible teaches about sex and what's out of bounds with sex. I had people like tell me like, well, you know, I'm, I've been saving up. I've been like waiting for the big conversation. Like I haven't had it yet, but I'm going to. Hey, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? I think this is the mindset that you gotta have the one conversation. Okay, you should have the conversations early and often. Melissa, I love this metaphor she uses. I don't know where she got it, but she's like, you don't have to give the kid the whole dollar. Like, just give them a nickel if they're three years old, okay? They don't need to know how the sperm and the egg meet, okay? But they do need to know, yeah, you, you're supposed to wait till, till married to, to live with someone. Okay, oh, that's pretty simple. That's a simple five-cent teaching. But when you teach them over and over again, when they get older, give them a quarter, and then you give them a little bit more. And if you do that early and often, they're gonna be coming to you to talk with you about those things. Because the reality is, even if you disagree with a biblical view on on sex and marriage, you know that sex leads to consequences. And it's not just a physical thing, it affects you emotionally and it makes your relationships more complicated. So talk to your kids about it. There is an out of bounds and we need to start young addressing it, addressing it. So that's our second point, address what's out of bounds. Our third one is to teach them the way of Jesus. Teach them the way of Jesus. This is showing them the right path. It's training them in the right way. And some of you are like, Matt, I thought you said this could all apply to atheists. Yes, it can. And the way of Jesus is good even if you're an atheist. I'm serious. Ephesians 6, 4. 
The apostle Paul writes this. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. I gave a whole message on this a few years ago. You can find it that that I talked about all the details of this, but it does mean that you need to train up your kids to know and follow the way of Jesus. That's the way, okay? Here's the out of bounds on either side of the road. Here's the right road. And did you notice it says fathers? It it, it literally says that even in the NIV, which translates a lot of things as like parents, it says fathers there because that's actually what it says. And I think part of it is because like moms are actually just naturally better at this. They do it. So it's saying this because dads, train your kids to know Jesus. Dads, step up. Don't make your wife take the family to church. Dads, don't go fishing and skiing and going on all your trips so that your kids have to go alone to church with your wife. Do you understand me on this? Dads, you actually have a bigger spiritual impact on your kids than even your wife does. And I'm not saying this because I'm chauvinistic or old fashioned. It's actually statistically proved. If a, get this, this statistic. If a mom comes to faith in Jesus Christ, If a mom comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there is a 17% chance that their kids will also become followers of Jesus. However, if a dad comes to follow Jesus and declare him as Lord and Savior, there is a 93% chance his family will follow. This is the way of the world. Dads have a huge impact and we need men in our society to step up as dads. There's been a huge neglect of dads neglecting their responsibility to raise their kids spiritually. And we're paying the price for it right now. So dads, listen to my voice. Raise your kids, train them to know Jesus. You should be the first one talking about kindness and gentleness. You should be the first one leading your family in prayer, praying with your kids at night. You should be praying yourself. You should be reading your Bible. You should be the one leading the family to church. If you can get them to the game, if you can get them the ski gear and get them up on the mountain that takes three hours and you're finally on the, if you can do that on a Sunday morning, you can get them to church. Because it's the biggest impact that you can have. (laughs) Guys, there's a 0.0296% chance your child will be a professional athlete. Do you hear me? 0.0296, and I've seen some of your kids, they ain't gonna do it, okay? (laughs) But there's a 100% chance they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you too will give an account for how you parented them. There's uh, an app that we recommend you guys getting. It's, It's part of the curriculum we use. It's called Parent Q. And I wanna show you guys this this Parent Q app, and we have a link to it on, on, the, on the screen up here, rise.com slash kids. It's one of the things listed in our, in our ministry. Um, but every time you open up this app, there's a little circle. For me, M. McKinley is the first one, but then I got Kanan as well, and Evie. And if you look closely at this circle, it says 600, for McKinley, 665 weeks until they move on to what's next. And the circle slowly goes down and down and down. Do you understand? Does that make sense? Can we zoom in on that? 665 weeks for McKinley. For Evie and Kane and I have 734 weeks before they move out of the house. And when you see it clicking down like that, it's a little stressful, right? But it's reality. It does no good to ignore that fact. 
And if I want them to be successful in 734 weeks, those weeks matter. And for one hour on a Sunday morning, 90 minutes, if you talk about the drive and and going back, right? That's the the minimum investment that you should make in the spiritual life of your children. That's minimum. So use that app. And if some of you are like, well, I don't wanna force them to go. Do you force them to brush their teeth? Do you force them to go to school? Okay, when they're 18, they can have terrible hygiene and let their teeth fall out. When they're 18, they can drop out of school, but you force them to now, right? Because you wanna lay the foundation. Shouldn't you do the same for spiritual matters? Yeah, they've gotta decide, but for right now, it's not an option. We're going to church as a family. Get your teenagers to turbulence on Wednesday nights. And why I said this point is even good for atheists, because atheists agree with me. There was an article a couple years ago in the Wall Street Journal journal by Erica Commissar. She's a, a therapist. And I wanna read this quote. So guys, listen closely to this. She says, as a therapist, I'm often asked to explain why depression and anxiety are so common among children and adolescents. One of the most important explanations and perhaps the most neglected is declining interest in religion. She says, the cultural shift has already been proving disastrous for millions of vulnerable young people. So she as a therapist encouraged even other atheist families to bring their kids to church. She writes this, that children or teens who reported attending a religious service at least once per week scored higher on psychological well-being and measurements and had lower risk of mental illness. Do you care about your kids? Do you love them? Even if you're an atheist, get them to church. They need a moral foundation. Here's some of the things that other research is showing is that kids who go to church regularly are less likely to use drugs. They're less likely to engage in sexual activity. They're have better morals, they have a better self-image of their body. They have a better ability to control their temper. They are more likely to stay in school, to get better grades and to graduate. They have less depression and better um, overall well-being in their life. They are 11 times less likely to have an affair when they get married and 18 times less likely to be an alcoholic. I could go on. Study after study is proving those kids who go to church regularly have better outcomes in their life. Who cares if you believe it or not? That's what she says. The title of our article is, If You Don't Believe in God, Lie to Your Kids. I'm not, I'm not joking. I have a link to it on the website. Because it's that important to teach your kids the way of Jesus. Teach your kids the way of Jesus. And if, if you're just like, well, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll do where. Okay, hope isn't a strategy. There was this article in, in the Babylon Bee, which of course is um, satirical, but I thought it was funny. Babylon Bee said this, study reveals every single parent since the dawn of time has no clue what they're doing. I think it's truthful, okay? We don't, but Jesus knows. And the way he's laid out in the scriptures for us to follow is actually the best way to live. It's the best and fullest life. So teach your kids the way of Jesus. Teach your kids the way of Jesus. We got a fourth point, right? You ready for this? H, help them walk on their own. Parents, we all have to let go. You saw that Parent Q app, like there's a limited number of weeks we have left. And at the end of that time, whether it's 18 or 25 or 45, 
you gotta let them walk on their own. And hopefully it's not 45, right? Look back at our, our main passage today, Proverbs 22, six. It says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Into their elder years, it's saying. Even when they're old, when they're a parent of themselves, a grandparent, they will still continue to walk in it. So we need to, at some point, let go and let our kids walk on their own. That's the goal. So that means we need to work backwards, right? And think about what we need to do along the way. Because I know with, you know, three years old and a six-year-old, like, at some point they have to learn how to tie their own shoes so they can walk on their own. Like, I could continue to tie their shoes until they graduate high school, right? It's a little tougher, but at some point you let them tie their shoes. At some point you let them walk on their own. At some point you let them go a little bit farther out of your vision, right? At some point you let them have keys and a driver's license, which is crazy. I don't even want to think about it yet, but it happens, right? And they're going to be outside of your vision, outside of your control, and you have to let go. So if that's the case, if at 18 they have to pay their own bills, make their own food, like what do I need to teach them along the way? Life skills, important things. I have to let go. I have to let them fail sometimes. And then talk with them afterwards. Like, oh, what do you think went wrong? <laughs> what happened? So that they learn on their own and they make little mistakes now so they don't make huge mistakes later. If they run out of money now, it's gonna be okay. They run out of money later. Car gets repoed, their house gets taken away, right? Let's let them learn some lessons so that they can walk on their own. And I think the the same is true with their faith. Are you building a faith in your kids? Are you teaching them faith habits now so that they'll have them later when they're an adult? This is so important. Like, are they making those decisions on their own so they want to go to college? Like, we were so excited a few weeks ago when Callie Smith, who graduated last May, she's over at Mesa State in Grand Junction. She posted a video. She was leading worship at a college group in Grand Junction. I'm sure Jimmy and Amanda are excited. Yeah, you can celebrate that. I'm I'm sure they're excited about that. But we celebrated that as a staff because we're like, that's what we want to see in our church. Callie was going to church for years in the church. She went to youth group. She started serving. She became a leader in youth group. She would even be up here on the stage leading worship. So then when she's 18, when she moves out of the house, she's still doing it. That's what we want to see. Those habits, those skills. that's That's why we give responsibility in our church even to teenagers. We got some teenagers right now running cameras. Yeah, that's great. We have teenagers right now serving in our kids' ministry, pouring into the next generation. You know, we have one of the best kids' programs around. Okay, we have an incredible kids' ministry here, zero through fifth grade. We pour money into that. Like, we care about it a lot. But have you noticed we don't have a sixth through 12th grade ministry on a Sunday morning here? Now we got a special ministry because we want to pour into them on Wednesday nights. They got some stuff that they got to learn. But, But do you know what we do on Sunday mornings for our teenagers? They go to church because at some point a kid has to learn that they're part of the body of Christ. And we try to arrange things here and I fail sometimes, but I try to talk in a way that a sixth grader can understand. Some of you adults need that as well. But we want our kids when they're in sixth to 12th grade to to begin to, to understand what that's like to be a part of the body of Christ, to start serving, to start taking communion, to to be a part of things that are going on here because then they go out and they follow Jesus when they leave. There's a lot of people that fall away from faith 
when they get out of the home. Some of you did it as well. Um, Pew did a big survey on this and they just asked kids like, did you have a strong faith when you were kids? And now that you've walked away from the faith, get this, of those that had walked away from the faith, only 11% said they actually had a strong faith when they were a kid. 89% of them said they never had a strong faith to begin with. So they're not walking away from anything. They never had it. So what we need to do is invest in them now so they can walk on their own when they are adults. That's what it means. So can you reverse engineer it? If they gotta be walking on their own, paying their own bills, adulting, like if they gotta do all those things, what do we need to do now as parents to prepare them for success then? Come up with a hundred answers, right? But I think we need to start them on the right path, the path to success. Start your kids on the path to success. And I know there's all sorts of different philosophies on parenting. You are gonna do it differently than I am, hopefully better than I am gonna do it. Like, I want that. We're gonna do things differently. Some kids will go to homeschool, private school, some public school. Like, there's different ways to do it. But the most important thing is that we point them to Jesus. And I really mean this. This is the key. If you forget everything else I said, get them to Jesus, even if you're an atheist. There are lots of different ways, but it's the way of Jesus. And in fact, that might be the reason why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's why early Christians weren't called Christians. Did you know it wasn't called Christianity at the beginning? It was called the way. Why? Because there's one way and his name is Jesus. Because even though you love your kids, the only one who will love your kids perfectly for who they are, not for what they can produce or accomplish in life, for, for who they are, that's Jesus. He will love them unconditionally. If you want a good example, like your parents might be okay, you might be okay, but Jesus is the only one who never fails, never does anything wrong and always walks with integrity, who loves people well, serves people well. It's only Jesus who you can point to again and again and say, look at him, he did it right. And it's only Jesus who offers them the fullest life. They want success, they need the fullest life in Jesus. I have come, Jesus said, so that they might have life and have it to the full. And you should point them to Jesus because only Jesus died on the cross for their sins so that when they mess up and sin, which they will do, they know who to go to for grace and mercy again and again, who can pick them up and keep them moving forward. And it's only Jesus who rose on the third day in full resurrection power so that he could show your kids that there is life beyond the grave. And if you want your kid to live for eternity with him, they need to know Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path that your kids must follow if they want success. I'm a little fired up today. Is that okay? Start your kids on the path to success. And now you know a little bit more about what that is. I just wanna say a special prayer for parents right now. So let's all close your eyes. And if you're a parent here, even if you got adult kids right now, put your hand in the air. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Put your hand in the air. Lord God, I pray for each one of these parents. These, they might have little kids. They might have grown kids. They might have a kid on the way. Lord God, I pray a blessing on them that they would know you, that they would have strength to do, which is one of the most difficult and most important things that we will ever be tasked with in our lives, to raise children. Lord God, I pray a strong blessing on them, especially on the fathers in this room. Lord God, help every single one of these fathers take a step up today 
and say, I'm not gonna neglect this. I'm not gonna put my fantasy team above this. I'm putting Jesus first and he's gonna be first in my family and how I raise my kids. I pray that you'd bless them this, today with that and give them the strength that they need. And I pray for all our kids in our midst, our teenagers, that they might look to you because we as a church, we as parents, me as a pastor, we will fail them, but you will never fail them. You will never forsake them. You are always what they need and let them know that in Jesus' name. Put your hands down. And I do just wanna tell you, um, some of you are like, whoa, Jesus is pretty good. And if you're feeling that and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity right now to say a simple prayer to do that. So would everybody close their eyes again? And, and um, if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody around you who needs to pray this for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and walk with integrity for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today is your Lord and Savior for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you and we actually wanna give you a book to kind of help you on your journey. So put your hand in the air on the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand up if you made that decision today. I see a hand right down here. Hold that hand up. We have somebody. Let's celebrate with this person who made a decision today. And Lord God, we just thank you. Um, we pray that you'd help every single one of us. We need you in our lives. You are good. You are faithful. You are the king. You are our cornerstone of our lives, our family, and our faith. We love you. Amen.